All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. It is great to see you guys recording here today. In progress. Oh, look at that. I guess we have a recording in progress. Okay, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today, Tuesday, October 26th, 2021. We have a, we're going to continue our conversation about the Torah portion of Chaye Sarah, which we began yesterday. Chaye Sarah speaks of the passing of our matriarch Sarah or Sarah. And the aftermath, what happens next? And one of the major, if not the major narrative in this week's Torah portion is the search for a wife for Isaac, for Yitzchak. As I mentioned yesterday, Yitzchak was not permitted to leave the Holy Land. Not to leave, well, the land that would later become known as the Holy Land, which then was known as Canaan. He was not allowed to leave. Once he was brought up as an offering, he was not allowed to leave the border of what would later become the land of Israel. At the same time, his father did not want him to marry a local girl. So what does he do? He can't leave, but his spouse will not be found from there. So Abraham sends his trusty assistant, Eliezer, on an overseas mission, so to speak, or whatever, a transcontinental mission to find a suitable spouse for Isaac. This is where we're up to in the narrative. So let's jump in on this. It's really, really a fantastic story, as you know, with a lot of insights. Okay. I just want to make sure that we finished the second reading yesterday. We did. Okay, this is going to be reading number three. We did two yes, one and two yesterday. Reading three begins right now. Okay, Genesis chapter four, verse number 10. So Avram, Abraham, dispatches Eliezer with a mission. Find the suitable spouse. Oh, he has to take an oath. It's a very interesting oath. And in the context of the conversation, Eliezer asks, well, what if she doesn't want to come back? Should I bring Isaac there? No. What happens if she won't come back here and Isaac can't go there? What do I do? Well, then you'll be absolved from your mission. But believe in God, it's going to work. So here we go. And the servant took 10 camels of his master's camels. So he took 10 of Abraham's camels. And he went. And all the best of his master was in his hand. Listen to that line. All the best of his master was in his hand. He took lots of stuff, wealth and riches, all the good stuff he took. Why? To give a good dowry to convince the family and the girl to go back with him. Are you with me on this? His job is to bring a girl back, a suitable match for Isaac. Well, maybe he has to pay up. Maybe he has to give a good dowry. Maybe he has to give a good, you know, some, uh, some stuff. So he's bringing stuff in order to secure the shidduch, in order to secure the match. And he rose, did... Eliezer, the servant, he arose and went to Aram Naharayim, to the city of Nachar. Okay, we had a conversation about this yesterday. Where was Abraham's family? Here we have the name of the city, Aram Naharayim, which was the city of Nachar, the city of Abraham's family. Here, original, where Abraham was originally. All right, he made the camels kneel outside the city, beside the well of water. At eventide, at the time the maidens go out to draw water. So he posts up by the well in the evening when the young women would come out to draw water. So he figures, how do I meet the young women of Aram Naharaim? How do I meet the the local young women? I'm going to go out to the water, to the local watering hole, right? Today we go to bars. Back then they went to wells. Okay, good. Went to the watering hole. So he goes to a well. He's waiting at night, and the young women are going to come out to draw water. Fantastic. So he'll, he'll get a scope. He'll scope out the scene, the single scene in Aram Narayim. All right, verse 12. And he said, Eliezer said, he made a promise with God. He made a deal. O Lord, the God of my master Abraham, please cause to happen to me today and perform loving kindness with my master Abraham. He says, please let my mission be successful. Do me a favor. Do my master Abraham a favor. Show us some love and kindness. Make this work. Behold, he's speaking to God. Behold, 
I, as if God doesn't know. I am standing by the water fountain. Not the one that we know and love. You know, the ones that you push and then you, you're waiting and the water doesn't come out. So you get closer and you push it again. It goes in the eye. Yeah, that one. No, not that one. I'm waiting at the water. I'm standing at the water fountain. And the daughters of the people of the city are coming out to draw water. He informs God. And it will be, says Eliezer to God, that the maiden to whom I will say, lower your pitcher and I will drink. And she will say, drink, and I will also water your camels. Her have you designated for your servant, for Isaac. And through her may I know that you have performed loving kindness with my master. He makes a deal with God. He says, God, I have no idea who is the right match for Isaac. I was sent on a mission to find the match, to find the wife for Isaac. I have no idea how to do this. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'll do. I'm going to stand. I'm standing by the well. I'm waiting for the evening and the, the, the crowd to, to gather. If I go over to a girl and I say, hey, can I have some water? Please lower your pitcher. I'll drink some water. Can I have some water? I'm a stranger. And she'll say to me, sure. And I'll also give your animals, your camels. That's going to be the one. That's going to be the one that is designated for Isaac. He makes a deal with God. He says, God, that's my sign. Please hook me up with this. Great. Now, he had not yet finished speaking. And behold, in other words, he had just made, he hadn't even finished making this deal with God. He said, God, please help me. Here's my plan. Please grant it success. He didn't even finish articulating the plan. And already, behold, Rebekah came out, who had been born to Besuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nachar, Avram's brother. Let's go through the family tree again. Rebecca, we read about Rebecca's birth last week, at the end of last week's Torah portion, if you recall. Rebecca, she's the daughter of Besuel, the son of Milcah, the wife of Nachar, Abraham's brother. So she comes out. And her picture was on her shoulder. Aha! So here's a young girl with a pitcher of water on her shoulder. Now the maid, now, now the Torah says, FYI, the maiden, this young woman, was of very comely appearance, a virgin, and no man had been intimate with her. And she went down to the fountain, and she filled, oh sorry, she had an empty, empty pitcher. So she went down to the fountain, the water, the well, and she filled her pitcher and went up. Okay. So she goes down to the well. He's standing by the well, just scoping out the scene, making deals with God. Okay? She comes with her pitcher. She goes down to the well, fills it up, and starts walking back. Now the servant ran toward her. And he said to her, he said to Rebecca, please let me sip a little water from your pitcher. Please can I have some water from your pitcher? And she said to him, drink, my lord. And she hastened and lowered her pitcher to her hand, and she gave him to drink. So she's giving of her own water to the stranger. He says, can I have some water? She says, sure. She gives him to drink. And she finished giving him to drink, and she said, unprovoked the following. You know what? I will also draw for your camels until they will have finished drinking. Look at that. I will also draw for your camels until they will have finished drinking. Can you imagine? Eliezer is floored. That's the... He said to God, the girl that he asked for water, who will lower her pitcher, give me to drink, and then say, I'm all, I'll also give your camels to drink, that's going to be the girl. He doesn't even finish making the deal, and that's exactly what happens. He sees a girl with a pitcher. She fills it up with water. He asks her for a drink. She gives it to him, and then she asks about the camels. Unbelievable. And she hastened, and she emptied her pitcher into the trough. And she ran again to the well to draw water. Look at that. She ran again to the well to fill it because she was planning on filling up for herself. She gave Eliezer. But now there are 10 camels. Remember this? 10 camels. Camels drink a lot of water. Yeah? Camels drink a lot of water. I think there's a water bottle that's called Camelback for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Camels drink water. 10 big camels. And she's running back and forth to the well to draw water, pouring into the trough, the whole deal. And she drew water, the Torah says, for all his camels. The man, and the man was astonished at her. 
standing silent. He's shocked. He's like, how is this even possible? This is shocking that this should happen so, so perfectly. He's shocked. He's silent, waiting to know whether the Lord had caused his way to prosper or not. So what's happened here is that Eliezer makes this deal. The girl that I ask for water, that gives me water, and then unprovoked mentions the camels, that'll be the girl. And boom, as soon as he said it, before he finishes speaking it, this happens in real life. She's there, she's filling water, he asks for a drink, she gives it to him, and then offers the camels. But there's one problem. There's one unknown. Avram said, Abraham, his master, said to take a wife from my son, from my family, my mishpacha. He has no idea. He has no idea where she's from. She, he knows which city she's from, but he doesn't know which family she's from. So everything else checks off, right? Checks, all the boxes are checked off here. It's the girl who has the water, who's giving him to drink, who's giving the camels. But who is she? So now he's waiting to know whether or not this is, the, this is legit, whether his mission has been completed in the first five minutes. Now it came about, when the camels had finished drinking, that the man took a golden nose ring, weighing half a shekel, and two bracelets for her hands, weighing ten, ten gold shekels. So he takes the jewelry. By the way, it seems that nose rings were the norm. So he has jewelry in the form of a nose ring and two bracelets. What about earrings? No earrings, nose ring, nose ring and, and two bracelets. And he said to her, ah, oh, please answer right. Ah, he's, can you imagine the stress? And he said, whose daughter are you? Please tell me, is there a place? So, so number one, who's your, who's your family? And then please, please tell me. And then he asked, is there a place for us for lodging in your father's house. He wants to know who's the family, who's the mishpacha, who's the dad, and then he wants to know if he can come over because he's going to have a lot of schmoozing up. If this is legit, if it turns out she's the right family, the right girl from the right family, from Avram's, Abraham's family, then he needs to have a long conversation with the family about why he's there and why he wants to sweep this young woman away. Swoop, sweep, just clear, you know, whisk, whisk, whisk. Yeah, whisk her away, um, just completely out of nowhere to, uh, to sights unseen, to this dude that she's never met. And she said to him the answer. First question first, second question question, second question second. Whose daughter are you? I am the daughter of Besuel, the son of Milka, whom she bore to Nachar. Check. That's Avram's family. Check. And then she answered the second question and she said to him, both straw and fodder are plentiful with us. There is also a place to lodge. In other words, there's straw and fodder, fodder for the camels and a place to lodge for you. So yes, we can take you in for the night. And the man kneeled and prostrated himself to the Lord. He was so grateful and so incredibly over the moon that his mission had been successful exactly as he had requested. Okay, there's so much to unpack here. I wanted to get through the narrative, the basic narrative. Hey, Mark. Hey, Sarah. Good to see you guys. So I wanted, I wanted to get through the basic narrative and then go back and focus on some very important details. So again, if we had to summarize, what is reading number three of Chayisara? It's all about the deal that, uh, that Eliezer makes, the deal with God or the... It's not a deal as much as it is as a, as a sign that he requests and the meeting of Rebecca, how he meets her for the first time. So let's talk about this. Number one, are we supposed to make deals with God? Are we supposed to say, God, you know what? Give me a sign and, and specify what that sign is. God, you know, if the Braves win tonight, then, you know, let that be a sign that they're gonna win the World Series or whatever it is, right? Let's just think about World Series. But, right, making signs, making signs and deals with God, good or not good? It's a good question, it's a good question. Typically, we don't do this. Typically, we don't say, hey, if this happens, then it must be a sign as such and such will happen. We don't, we don't tell God what to do. God tells us what to do, right? We don't make deals with God. God makes deal, God deals with us, typically. But when you're a guy like Eliezer, 
when you're a shliach, I'm using the word shliach, when you're an emissary of, of Abraham, and you're, you're not, you don't have your own agenda, all you have is the agenda of the one who sent you, Abraham's agenda, then you can start dealing, wheeling and dealing with God. Then you can start making deals. Throughout this entire narrative, and I, and I must point this out, the word, the name Eliezer is not mentioned once. If you look through the, the entire narrative here, you will not find Eliezer's name mentioned once. It says the entire time, Eved, Ha-Eved, 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 Ha-Eved. The servant, the servant, the servant, the servant. Never identifying him by name. His name was Eliezer. We know this. He's identified elsewhere in, in the Torah. We, we talked about it the last week or two. Eliezer. Remember when Abraham went to war against the kings with Eliezer? Yeah. Remember when Abraham was saying to God, I don't have a child. All I have is Eliezer of Damascus. It's Eliezer. It's a servant. So we know his name. So why isn't he identified here? And the answer is, a beautiful point in the answer is, because to mention his name would, be, would, be, would, would indicate that he was taking up space. That it was this Eliezer story. Look at Eliezer. Look at Eliezer didn't approach this mission as his to accomplish. He approached it as a mission to fulfill, acting on behalf of his master, Abraham. This was not him. This was Abraham doing it. He was merely the hands and feet on the ground. There are different ways in which, you know, when you ask someone to do something for you, there are different ways in which that relationship can work. You know, one way is where you may have asked someone to do something, but they did it. And yeah, maybe it affects you, maybe it doesn't, but at the end of the day, they're, they're the ones that are doing it. But there's a, there's a level of relationship between the sender and the sendee, between the, the one who sends the, the representative and the representative where it's such a close relationship where when the representative acts, it's like the, the sender acts. We find this, for example, in the laws of Kedush and the laws of marriage, where you can actually send a representative to betroth a woman, and then the one who's sent ends up betrothed to the, to, the young, to the woman. Does that make sense, what I just said? Like, if you send an emissary to, put, to, to give a ring to a young woman and say, you know, essentially, you know, um, um, I'd like to hereby betroth you with this ring, and she consents, it's not, the, it's not the one who gave, it's not the, the, the messenger who, who handed over the ring who's married to her. It's the one whom he represents. That's the power of sending an emissary where their action is like your action. So one level is you sent them, but what they do is it's, it's you know, it, they take the credit for it or they get the benefit. The other level is, higher, higher level, deeper level is, no, their action acts on your behalf. A even higher, an even higher level is where their whole being becomes uh, your being. The, the two beings are, are essentially intertwined in this experience. That's the highest level of, 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 of an emissary ship, so to speak, if that's the right word, if that's a legitimate word. In acting as an emissary, that's the highest level. Eliezer was the servant of Abraham. In this narrative, he doesn't even have a name. He was purely channeling Abraham. It was all about Abraham. Thus, on that level, he felt confident to make a deal with God. He said, God, I'm not making a deal on my behalf. This is not my deal I'm making. I'm making Abraham's deal. Abraham's deal is, this, is, uh, th this should be the wife, the one whom you know, offers the water for the, for you, for the person, for Eliezer and the camels. That's going to be the one. Okay, does that make sense, the idea of making a deal? We don't typically do it, but in this case we did it. Yes? Sort of? Okay. Next theme I want, to, I want to focus on. The next theme is the deal itself. What kind of deal did he make? He said, the girl that has the flask of water that I ask and says, sure, drink, and I'll also give your camels, that, that's going to be the one. Seems like a random sign. It's not so random. It's not so random. Why is it not so random? Who was Abraham? What trait? Unmute yourself, please. What trait? What emotional character trait? Did Abraham represent, personify? Chesed. Charity. Good. Chesed. Charity. Kindness. Love. Hospitality. Giving. Eliezer says, how am I going to find a suitable match for Abraham's son? He says, okay, what kind of guy is Abraham? If he were choosing a wife, if he were, not choosing, but if he were, you know, on the committee for sorting through the resumes for potential matches for Isaac, 
What would he, what type of character trait would, would Abraham probably want for his son? Someone who's likewise kind and generous. Kind and generous. Kind means, kind means when you ask for something, they help. And generous means they'll give you even above what you asked for. So the girl, the girl that says, yes, for sure, I just drew, drew water for myself, but I'm happy to share. That's kindness. And the one who then, the, and the girl who says, not, not only am, am I kind, but, oh, I see you have camels. Let me also give camels and run back and forth, back and forth, back and forth to keep on filling the water and, ref, and fill up a trough of, for the camels. That's generosity. That's unexpected generosity. That's going to be the girl that's a suitable match for this family. This family is a family of kindness. What better girl than the girl to marry into the family than the girl who's kind and generous? So it wasn't a random hocus pocus sign. The girl that's wearing, you know, uh, uh, a blue dress, that's going to be, no, it's not a random sign. It's not some sort of random deal with God. No, 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 no. It's on point. It's the girl who's kind and generous and from the right family, from the eight, from Avram's mishpacha from the family, that's the one. And that's what happens. Rabbi. Yes. Do we know at this point how old she is? Mm. There are different opinions. Some say she was as young as three. Three. Some say she was older. The three-year-old version is very hard to understand. That's right. But it's out there. It's one of the traditions that she was three. She was a very mature three-year-old. Very mature three-year-old. So... there's a lot to and talk about. And strong. And strong. And strong. And smart. For a three-year-old, very, very wise. I mean, anyway, so it's hard to understand the narrative when we think of her as a three-year-old. But it, it, it's okay. There's, there are other many valid opinions that have her as older than three. Even though three is the one that's alluded to or mentioned in Rashi, which is the primary basic commentary it's not the only commentary. It's not the only opinion. There are other opinions that have her as older. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you. I, can, I have my own preferences and how I you know, see the story. But you can choose you know, different commentaries, different options, whatever. Anyway, but back to our narrative. I want to go a little bit deeper in the story. Because remember, it's all about, in this case, the kindness. I mentioned this a few times. I want to focus on it a little bit more. Eliezer shows up and he's standing by the well and he has 10 camels. You know what? I'm going to stop sharing for a second so I can see everybody. Um, hey, Sandrine. Welcome. So um, Eliezer standing there with 10 camels and, um, and all of the good stuff of his master. You know what? Sorry, I'm going to share my screen again because I want to show you a Rashi here. Hold on. Take a look at this. Take a look. Um, he went, Eliezer went with all the best of his master in his hand. What does that mean? The Midrash says, Genesis Rabbah, Bereshit Rabbah says, that Abraham wrote a gift deed to Isaac for everything he owned so that they would hasten, jump, to send him, to their, to send him their daughter. In other words, he had a document, a legal document that said, all the stuff, from all, all my possessions, Abraham said, all my possessions, um, are officially given over to Isaac, and that would be appealing to the potential, the potential uh, wife. Does that make sense? He wrote, her, uh, he, he wrote him a document. Okay, so here's my point. Eliezer is there at the well with 10 camels. Hey, Donna, good to see you. 10 camels, jewelry. How do I know jewelry? Well, it just said he pulled out a nose ring and two bracelets, gold bracelets. He's pulling out jewelry. He's got like Tiffany bags and it's, 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 it's great. The little blue bags, yeah, okay. He's, he's got the good stuff. He's got the good stuff. He's got a document that, prom, that has all the wealth. It's like a blank check, blank check. 10 camels laden with stuff. He gives gifts to the family. So we, spoiler alert, he'll, he'll give gifts to the family. He has tons of stuff. Eliezer right now, although he's the servant, he's rolling into town with a lot of stuff. And what's he doing? And what's he doing? What's he doing? 
folded arms, leaning back against the camel, scoping at the scene. And there's a young girl with a, a flask, a camel back. Yeah, she's got a flask, an empty flask, fills it up with water. And what does he say? Can I get some of your water? Bro, you have money. Go buy bottled water. I know bottled water didn't exist. Go make a plan. Offer someone. No, 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 no. He's a freeloader. He's a freeloader. He's like, can I have some water? Sure. I mean, you can't get your own water? No, I want your water. Okay. Little red flag there. A little, a little weird, right? This guy that rolls in. He's got the Tesla, the Mercedes. He's got the new Hummer EV, the Rivian, right? This guy's got like, he's rolling in camels, rolling in wealth. He's got like chains of gold. He's got, got all this stuff, all the bling. And he's asking this little girl, this young girl, for, for water. You need her water? Get your own water. Pay someone for water. What is it? Can you give me your water? Who does that? Who does that? And then, get this. And then she's like, oh, your camels look thirsty. Can I, I'll get your camel some water. And what does Eliezer say? Sure. Absolutely. I was just leaning against this camel. I'll just watch you run back and forth while you get my camel's water. Who does that? Who does that? Are you with me? I'm trying to paint the picture. Are you with me on the story? Yes. He's leaning back, observing the situation, and she's running back and forth to give his camel's water. It's like, sure, what else, you know, what else can I get you? It's like, would you like a coffee with that while you ate? I mean, it's just a coffee and a muffin. I mean, it's, it's, it's meshuggah. Because this is the true definition of kindness and generosity. It's non-judgmental. It's non-bitter. It's non, what's the word I'm looking for? When you are, it's non-resentful. You see, not true kindness is I'm giving it to you, but I'm resentful even as I give it to you. I'm giving it to you, but I shouldn't be giving it to you because why don't you get it yourself, right? That's resentful giving. That's kindness with not only strings attached, that's kindness with emotional baggage attached to it. That's not pure kindness and generosity. Pure kindness and generosity is I'm giving out of love and kindness. Sure, you could be helping, you cannot be helping. I don't know, I don't know your story. I don't know your story. Maybe you, maybe you don't know how to work the well, right? Maybe you don't know, I'm just coming up with excuses, right? Maybe you don't, uh, maybe your leg, maybe your knee is hurting. I don't know, I don't know your cheshben, I don't know your calculation. All I know is I'm offering, I'm being generous, I'm giving, and I'm not looking critically as I give. Because that's giving and judging at the same time, and that's not pure chesed. What Eliezer says is essentially, the girl that will demonstrate pure chesed, non-judgmental chesed kindness, the one who would give me with all my, with all my interesting idiosyncrasies, who won't judge me for standing there while she gives all my camels to drink, that's the girl for Abraham's son. That's the girl for Isaac. Does that make sense? No. <laughs> Mark, I love you. Jump in. <laughs> it, it occurs to me that imagine a very wealthy person. Yeah. A multi-billionaire comes to New York and he goes to a hot spot. Yes. Where there's, where there's lots of girls who aren't married. And he's got 10 Rolls Royce limousines with him. Yes. And he says, can you get me a Coke? <laughs> and somebody comes out and, 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 and some of these girls have, you know, see, see, see the kind of money he's got. And say, well, I'm not going to give you a Coke. I'll get you, get you a Coke for your chauffeurs too. They may not be the purest of heart. Mm. They may have a real ulterior motive. Good. Good, 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 good. Excellent. That's a good question. That's a See? Mark is asking a good question. This is a good question. How do we know that she was really generous and kind? Maybe she saw the camels. Yeah. She saw the camels and the bling, and she's like, yeah. all right. 
This is, this is, let's hook him up with water. What else do you need? Ready to roll. Good, good, good question. I don't know that I have a good answer. It's a good question. It's a good question. All right, but the way we're told the story is that this was her kindness. Ray, jump in. Maybe Ray has an answer. I'm gonna, we're going to crowdsource the answer. Ray, hold on. You got to unmute. You got to unmute. You're muted for some reason. You got it. Better? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it says that Eliezer used the word na'ar, uh, but then he tactfully said alma because she passed the test that she was able to go back and forth. Interesting. And get water for him. Interesting. Good, 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 good. So she, she clearly passed this test. Mark is asking, maybe it's not such a test. Maybe it's not such a test. If you see all that wealth, maybe it's, uh, maybe there's an ulterior motive. Good. It's a good question. I think I see the answer. Ah, that, that's a true scholar. Ask the question, gives the answer. Gives us enough time, gives us enough time to make a dramatic mark jump in. By the way, you guys know um, the most important part of a joke timing. No. No, that was a joke, right? What's the most important? I said it wrong, though. But what's the most? What's the most important part of a joke timing? Okay. Pause. Yeah, well, that was the joke. The, I, the timing was off in that one. Anyway, all right. I'm here all week. Mark, jump in. <laughs> yeah, Rachi says the slave ran towards her because he saw that the waters went up toward her. Okay. So there was a sign that she's the right one. But your question is, maybe her, maybe her kindness was a little bit, look, maybe, maybe, yeah, I mean, I guess we can't have it both ways. If she, if she sees that and still does it, be, not begrudgingly, then maybe she's doing it, all right, listen, all right, we'll leave it as a question and something to think about. But I can talk to the other side of my face too, because it is said, maybe it's believed, that Rebecca had the gift of prophecy. So you're saying that she knew who this guy was. Okay, good. Perfect. He knew, she knew it was a match made in heaven. Although it's not his match, he's just making, he's the, he's the shachan, he's the matchmaker. Matchmaker, matchmaker, match, make me a match. Uh, Joy. Maybe she knew he was the servant and the stuff wasn't his. There you go. Maybe, She's maybe. no gold digger, Mark. That's, oh, watch out. Now it's getting, watch out. This is a, a lively DPP going on. Right, so maybe she could tell that it wasn't his or she knew, whatever. Maybe there's some way to know. Maybe it said on the side, Abraham's camels with, a, with an arrow. This is not Abraham. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe that's what it said. Anyway, bottom line is she passed the test. Not really a test. It's not, 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 a, not a test as much as it was a, um, and it, that's the right way to say it. There was an opportunity for someone of kind and generous character to stand up and to stand out, and she did. And so immediately, he goes for the gold. He starts grabbing the stuff, starts grabbing the jewelry. Then he confirms the family, seals the deal. So when we think about lessons from today's reading, you know, the most immediate lesson is kindness and generosity. Kindness and generosity. When somebody asks, somebody needs, give. And give them not just what they're asking, give them more than what they're asking. Be generous about your giving, right? Be generous with love and, and giving and whatever, whatever it is. So that's, that's the, the most obvious and immediate lesson. The other lesson that I mentioned before that I you know, kind of worked in um, from the implication of the story is not to hold any strings when giving. It's not to give with, you know, resentment or with expectation, that sort of thing. Now, the, the truth is we're all human. And because we're human, we're never going to be perfect. It's hard to, like, eradicate. It's hard to eliminate natural human emotion that goes along with the things that we do. So when we, when we give, we might have expectations. Right? We might have... Um, strings, unspoken strings that are, you know, that, that we have and, and some element of resentment. It might, it might be, but the Torah is encouraging us to work through that and to get to a better place, to try to get to a better place of, of pu a, a pure giving, a pure kindness, a pure, a pure generosity. Are we going to be perfect tzaddikim? No. Are we going to live up to the standard of, of Rebecca? 
No, probably not. But we can strive to get close to that, to, to that, to that level. Maybe, and maybe we will. Maybe we can get there, at least in one area. So I would say an exercise for the day is to practice and experience an act of giving where it's all about the other person. It's all about giving them something. Not about you, not about what it does for you, what it means for you, what you're gonna get from it, or what they're gonna be required to do for you. Pure, pure giving for the sake of giving. Pure kindness, pure generosity. That's the way of Rebecca. And it's, it's really special, I think, that Eliezer so channels this energy of his master Avram of Abraham for, um, uh, for, for this process. Look, Abraham wasn't getting married. Abraham had been married, he just lost his wife. Abraham was not looking for, 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 for a match. It was his son. And we know according to Kabbalah that Isaac was very different than his father. Isaac was gvura, not chesed. Avram, Abraham was chesed, kindness. And Isaac, I mentioned this in last week's Torah, says, Isaac was a well digger, right? He dug wells, which implies this more introverted, from inside out type of growth, as opposed to like outside in approach of generous giving. It was more like introspective. It was more inner work. So one could argue, one could ask the question, hold on, who's she finding, who's the girl for? You're finding a girl that's kind and generous. Is that the match for Isaac? That, that's the match for Abraham. That's the father. That's not the son. You need someone who's uh, maybe <coughs> you more... You need somebody different. You need somebody to compliment. Oh, that's where I was going with this. Excellent. Truth is, Eliezer knew exactly what he was doing. Because although it's good to have com- commonalities in a relationship, it's also good to have some opposite traits and to complement each other. Which takes me back to one of the opening verses in the Torah when it talks about Adam and Eve. When God promises Adam a match, when God promises Adam a spouse, God says, I will make for you an Azer Kenegdo. An Azer, so there's two words, Azer Kenegdo. Azer means a helpmate. Like a, um, Azer would be like, um, so, someone similar to you. I'm, I'm, there's a word that would work, but whatever. And kinegdo means opposite you. So azer means azer means kind of like like an ally. That's the word, an ally. And then kinegdo means an opponent. So I'm going to make for you an ally opponent, an azer kinegdo, an ally opponent. What does that mean? Like literally, azer means an ally, and kinegdo means an opponent. Like in war, it would be an opponent. So what's going on? So you could say. Uh, in a relationship, you know, either when spouses get along, they're allies, when not, they're, they're combatants, right? They're opponents. You could say cynically that. Um, or you can say what Joy is saying, which is, very, which is very brilliant and wise, which is that a good match, a good spouse is someone that not only is your ally, but also your opposite. Also brings qualities to the table that you don't have, challenges you in areas that you're not strong in, in order to bring out the best. It's kind of like one of the examples I I once heard for relationships is two rough stones grinding against each other that ends up polishing them both. That's the ideal in a relationship. When two people are exactly the same, look, it could work out also, anything could work out if there's enough work put in, but two people are exactly the same, all right, the question is, will they grow from that relationship? Or will, will there be growth there? When you have some similar traits, but also some opposite traits, that's when the growth happens. You have to learn how the other thinks. They challenge you. They bring a new, a new awareness to the table, things that are outside of your comfort zone. That's really how, how progress and how inner growth, personal growth, spiritual growth, fam- familial, family growth happens. So here we see the, 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 the lesson from the first shidduch, the first Jewish um, marriage. I mean, Abraham and Sarah got married, but you know, I don't know what their status was before. But the first young Jewish couple that we read about their story of, of how they met is Isaac and Rebekah facilitated by Eliezer. And Eliezer, the ever-sharp 
Shachan, the ever-sharp matchmaker, knows that his uh, client, Isaac, needs someone who's very kind and generous because he's a little bit a little bit more introverted. He's got a different personality. We need someone to balance that out. And I think there's a, a lot of powerful messages here. Number one. Message number one is, don't only look for, for commonality. Look for opposite traits in a relationship. Number one. Number two. When you see something that, 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 that is different, it could drive you crazy or you can appreciate it. Choose the latter approach, not the former approach. In other words, I could drive you crazy. Oh, I can't believe it. They do, they're so different than me. I can't, right? You can judge them and, and feel negative toward them because they do things differently or they think differently or they act differently than you, right? The other, the other in the relationship. The message here is appreciate difference. Appreciate the diversity in the relationship. That makes everything much better. And finally, finally, a good shachin, a good matchmaker, knows how to massage the truth a little bit. I'm not saying that Eliezer himself bent the truth, but I'm just along the lines of, of matchmaking. A good matchmaker is one who is a little bit flexible with truth. And if you're wondering, what am I saying? It sounds like such a hot take. I'm basing this off of Kabbalah. In fact, the next book that I'm working on, as you guys know, I work on books. The next book I'm working on is a book all about matchmaking from a, a Kabbalistic perspective, the Kabbalah of matchmaking. And it says in Kabbalah and Hasidic philosophy that a matchmaker, a shadchan, has to bend the truth a little bit, has to say things that aren't 100% true, not just to convince each party about the, not just, but on a spiritual level. Because a match, a shidduch, is so powerful spiritually. It's such a powerful light that is born. A wedding brings such a light into the world. A couple that builds a family. You know, the idea of having a family, of children, etc., is, is an ain self energy. It's an infinite energy. A child that can have 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 a child. It's the power of infinity is procreation. So for that light and energy to come into the world, the clear... I'm, Talking Kabbalah now, so we're segueing into some mysticism. The Klippa and Sitra Achra, the, the other side, the evil forces, they would love to hijack that light, to, um, to um, hijack that armored truck of light and, and haul it off to some warehouse and loot all that light. And so how is that light brought into the world, the light of a match? It's through a little subterfuge, through a little... Not dishonesty, but massaging the truth a little bit so that the light comes down in a bit of a sideways fashion as opposed to a straightforward fashion. Straightforward fashion, the light would get hijacked. So it has to come down in a little bit of a, a sideways fashion. So Eliezer, I'm not saying he spoke dishonestly or he meant the truth, but he, he comes up with his own calculations about how to do it. He's got a scheme. He's got a plan. He's got a plot. He's going to wait there. The girl with the water, with the well, with the, with the camels. He's got a plan. Right? He's, got, he's got a way to how to bring this light into the world. So for all of us, number one, the mitzvah of Shaduchim is very big. The idea of the, 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 to help someone find a match and find you know, uh, a relationship, that's a very, very big mitzvah, number one. Number two, there's a lot of light there, a lot of light that, that's born in the world. Number three, sometimes it needs to come down in a little bit of a, you know, little bit of a non-straightforward fashion. Um... Yeah, that's what's going on here. That's what's going on in this story. The, the first shidduch, the first match, first Jewish match in history, facilitated by none other than Eliezer of Damascus, Abraham's servant, only referred to in the story as the servant. That's it. Doesn't get in the way of this light. Doesn't get in the way of this mitzvah. He's facilitating and letting, letting things play out. All right, questions or comments on any of the above or on anything else? Yeah. Something, Ari, I have a question. Sure. When it talks about, when the Torah talks about Rebecca's lineage, it says um, Rebecca, who had been born to Bethuel, who was the son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, uh, the brother, why doesn't it say, but in other words, it says Rebecca was born uh, to her mother, to Milcah, not, not to, not to uh, 
Uh, Excellent question. I understand your question. Rebecca was born to uh, Abraham's... uh, was born to the, to the wife, not, not, not to, was born to Milka, not to Nahor or Nahor and Milka. Right. So it could be that, that he wasn't around. Maybe he had passed away. So it's re- referencing the mother. Um, could be that he wasn't, um, I don't know, is there Rashi, did you see Rashi on it? No, I don't see any Rashi on that at all. I wonder if it's in the commentary somewhere, why it attributes it to the mom. Maybe the dad wasn't around. It's possible. So it went, it went, uh. The lineage was was attributed to the father, I mean, to the mother. Sorry, it's a good question. I have to look it up. I always wish whenever these questions come up, these types of questions, I always wish I had my Mikrot Gedolot, the uh, the big book with all the Hebrew commentaries in it. But I don't have it here at my desk. I have it at my house, but not at my desk. So we'll have to chalk that up to something that needs to be further referenced. Um, I would say one other way to reference it would be Sepharia Genesis. What are we? Genesis 24. Yeah, that's 24, uh, 15. Okay, so 24, 15. Let's pull up Safaria. And we'll look up those words. Um, commentary. Ah. Ramban, Nachmanri says, because Nachar. Nachar also had children from his concubine Ruuma. They always described the lineage of Basua by saying that he was the son of Milka, who was the mistress of the household. You see? Because Nachar had children from his concubine. So this is saying that she wasn't coming from the concubine side of the family, she was coming from the wife side of the family. There you go. Ramban for the win. It's all in the commentaries. And Safari is helpful to have this. Okay, folks, um, we'll close it out to more fun and excitement tomorrow. Same bad time, same bad channel. But I do want to mention the following. This is a big announcement. First of all, massive announcements coming up with new classes, opportunities, social opportunities. We're going to have a mitzvah day that we're announcing in the next few days. Major, major, major things happening at IJA. But on a very timely level, we have a brand new course starting tonight. I get an email yesterday afternoon from a woman named Meredith Sheldon. She is a producer over at the local NBC affiliate. I saw your course on anti-Semitism, she says, and I wanna run um, a segment in the 11 o'clock broadcast. Really? On channel 11 at 11, okay? So we have, a, we have a, yesterday afternoon, we did a Zoom interview, and the product of which, the segment, is about to dr- drop in the chat that is on your Zoom. Boom. 11alive.com. Voices for Equality. New program created to help outsmart anti-Semitism. That is about tonight's course. So, my friends, hit the link. Watch the video. Not right now. You can save the link or just open up on a tab and get that going. And then watch the watch that the little preview of the course. A little interview that I did with, uh, with NBC. And, 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 and then join us for the course, the class tonight, or Thursday, same class, Outsmarting Anti-Semitism, Tuesday at eight on Zoom, Thursday at noon in person. I will tell you, if you can make the in-person, you get bagels, lox, cream cheese, garnish, coffee. If you take the Zoom class, I would love to send it to you through the screen, but my computer is gonna get all full of coffee and cream cheese. So I won't be able to send it through the screen, but I will be able to give it to you Thursday. But either way, it's good. I'm not putting down the, t- the Tuesday night class. Join me Tuesday night. Join me Thursday. Join me at both. If you want to teach Thursday, no problem. Come back and I'll just, I'll just hand over the baton and you can teach it. But you can, and you can mix and match. Sh- join us if you're not yet signed up. Join us. Spread the word. Share the information about the course with somebody that you know would appreciate it. We all know people who would appreciate this conversation. Four weeks, four week um, convo about this very, very important and timely Jewish topic. All right, that's it. Good for today? Yeah, yes, Donna. I, I sent you the pictures yesterday. Yes, right? oh, and big announcement, we're doing more jewelry with Donna. Jewelry with Donna. Donna, we have to, you and I have to talk if we're doing it only online or also in person or hybrid. Hybrid, so I would. I would love to do hybrid. I would love yeah. to do hybrid, an in-person demo with a live cam going on for yeah. Zoom. 
kits in person Yay. and delivered. We'll do the whole thing. So nice. join us for that. It's going to be amazing as well. Not yet. I mean, the stuff is not out yet, but when you see that information, make sure that you, you punch, hook me up to that, to the jewelry stuff. We'll send you the kits. We'll mail it to you. You can pick it up or you can do it here. The options abound. Be part of the jewelry for Hanukkah. All right. We have to also choose a date, Donna. So you and I have some collab to do. Maybe we'll talk after the, uh, the class. Maybe about 1.30. Maybe 1.30. 1 if it's okay, I'll give you a call 1.30. All right. Friends, Hanukkah is, is literally around the corner. Yeah, I was driving up the, the driveway at Chabad and boom, there it was. I'm kidding. But it is right around the corner. We've already ordered our donuts and our latkes. Everything's on order. So we have an IJ Hanukkah party coming up. Yeah, legit. There's an IJ Hanukkah party that's yet unannounced. Um, oh, I think I just announced it. So that's coming up and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So join us. For all the above, stay tuned for more information and have a wonderful day. Don't forget, kindness and generosity. Ark. Ark. A-R-K. Get into the ark. Acts of random kindness. See you all. Have a wonderful day. Take care, everybody. I know. You see that? All right. They, they, they burnt the donuts a little too much, but yeah. No, so, but, we, so where do you get donuts? Oh, oh, no. We always get them from New York. We get them from, from New York. Yeah. That, our donuts have a lot of attitude. It's, um, it's New York donuts. It's like, what you looking at? What you looking at? You call me a cream puff? I'm not a cream puff. Anyway. All right. <laughs> we'll see you all soon. Have a wonderful day. Hope to see you tonight for, for Ask Marie Anti-Semitism. send the link, Rabbi. I sent it. Ray, check if you got it because I sent it out yesterday. Oh, okay. Double check. I'm happy to send it if you didn't get it again. Okay? okay. Welcome back. In recent months, we've right. seen a number we'll of... All right. We'll see you guys. Take care. All right. Bye. Close to home. And now one rabbi is leading a...